Welcome to Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. My name is Josh Lyons. I've been listening to Hardcore and Punk since 1995. I have book shows, put out a fanzine, run a record label, and now I'm doing a podcast. This is the Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. Before the episode starts, we're going to check out a song from Benny Beyond. The song's called Alexander, and it features Moses Rockwell. Welcome to episode 36. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. As always, make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. I'm kind of excited to, to bring this guest on today because if anybody's listening to this podcast, they know that like I like punk, hardcore, and hip-hop. And the person I'm talking to today, or tonight, I guess, is definitely going to kind of touch all those bases. So we're going to talk to uh, uh, Benny, Benny Beyond tonight. So how's everything going for you tonight, Benny? It's going really good. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Good. Like I said, I'm really excited to do this. In the past, I've asked people like who they want me to have on here. And I haven't gotten like a million requests, but I've gotten a few here and there. And you've definitely been like requested by other people. So I'm sure people will be excited to check this out. You know what cool. I mean? Cool. Yeah. 
I appreciate that. Press around, not to put too much press down you right from the beginning, I guess, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's fun. But yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about a, a lot of stuff like musically that I'm interested in. I know you are too on this episode, but uh, before we do that, I guess we'll kind of like talk about your upbringing a little bit. So kind of tell everybody like, you know, like how a lot, you know, where you come from and stuff like that. I grew up in a round I was lucky. I got to walk by the house of guitars every day on the way home from junior high and high school. Lived in the burbs, did the thing, got into skateboarding found punk through that um you know kids in the neighborhood always showing me cool stuff giving me like i have a descendant shirt that someone gave me when i was probably like 13 just because they were like hey i think you'd like this and it's just i was i feel like i was lucky it was just that like magic was all around it's really cool that you have that house of guitars connection i don't think that's really come up on this podcast too much but that's obviously like a local spot that a lot of people have 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 visited over the years and, and been introduced to a lot of different kinds of music and you know it, it's cool that that was kind of like one of the gateways for you i mean i you know obviously when i went there i'm sure for you uh you know some of the stuff was kind of hard to find well, maybe a little bit more than some record stores you know but yeah you could always find it though you know what i mean like i would look around for a while and i would find what i was looking for you know so it's it's cool that that was still there for you like i i feel like there's a little bit of an age gap between you and i so um i was born in 81 so 86 uh, yeah so a few years you yeah. know but it's cool it's cool that the generations before before us and after us still have that you know what i mean oh my gosh that's a gem we all love that place yeah definitely and and you were actually talking to me about before we did the interview tonight about about like skateboarding and stuff too so that was a big part of your uh your upbringing and, and stuff like that too then yeah you get you get to hang out with people who are playing music on a boom box or whatever iPhone now and skate videos, just every, for the most part, every video had songs with the skaters part and it almost made it that much more memorable, you know? Yeah. As I've mentioned on here a few times, I, I tried the skateboarding thing a few times, but I could never really figure out the tricks. Like I like riding a board and shit like that. And, and as I mentioned to you before, like the music and shit that gets associated with it, obviously I love, um, but as you know, and you and I have talked about, like I always kind of gravitated more towards basketball and that's kind of, yeah you know what i stuck with so you know um, what i think about if there are any there's not a lot of basketball players that talk about like punk and hardcore i wonder a lot i'm like do any of them listen to like pretty aggressive music that's a good question like in the, only, the guitar world i mean because rap is yeah. awesome and yeah you know the only pro athlete i can think of in like the last 20 or 30 years uh the pitcher i think his name is uh scott radinsky he sang for uh i want to say they were called pulley like a west coast punk band yeah epitaph yeah cool. so he he pitched for like the white Sox or one of those bands i think he was on like one of those podcasts recently like one of those hardcore uh california podcasts um, oh okay cool yeah so but I, other than that like i can't think of any basketball players it would be really cool if there was somebody that was like we'll know, keep it we'll keep an eye out yeah if there's anybody out there that knows of any professional athletes that like the kind of stuff we like uh send them my way i guess yeah that'd be awesome so Obviously, as as I've mentioned, we'll get to talking about you. You've you've played a, a variety of different kinds of music and stuff like that. Uh, like like when did you kind of first like get interested in writing music and like playing music and stuff like that? Um, I got into writing lyrics young. I just always liked journals and stuff. I'd always write words down. I would say probably at like ten or eleven that area, and then I always just kept a notebook and writing, and then 
wanted to figure out a way to play with people. When you started playing in the bands, where you, you were probably pretty young then, right? Because I feel like I remember seeing seeing I object now, and I, and as and as we'll get to, a lot of these bands were kind of like incestual, where they shared like a lot of members and stuff. And I feel yeah, like I object close groups of people. Yeah, I feel like I saw I object with War Squad. Yeah, you had to have been pretty young at that point, like when you were when you were playing in bands like that, then, right? Yep. Destructs especially. So, so how did that all start? Like, were you like in what, what if you can remember, I guess, like, would, would you have been in like ninth or 10th grade when you first started playing in these bands then? Or? Yeah. Um, Destructs was high school. I played in bands. I had a band called the hooligans. We had a, you know, we recorded a demo tape. That was definitely before that was in junior high. And then always played. I liked playing covers on the acoustic guitar and stuff. And then I was like, you know, that eventually got to Destructs in, I think, my junior year of high school. So did Destructs come before I object then? I guess my timeline might be a little mixed up. No, that's okay. We played a lot of shows together, and they always showed us so much love as mm -hmm. wild little kids. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? They took yeah. us around and got yeah. us shows, and yeah. yeah. I guess another thing that I kind of think of, too, and like – I know Rory and I have talked about this is like the connection between punk and hardcore and like sometimes it's kind of lost but I, I know like people like you guys definitely didn't really forget that so like was it like right from the beginning that you knew like it was like because like some people like they gravitate towards one or the other with, 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 you know what I mean like when they get into it whereas mm -hmm. like like people like us got into both like like did you kind of realize like I could listen to both and it's cool and you know what I mean like what kind of what kind of bands were you listening to I guess and like like when did you realize there was a connection between the two, I guess, between punk and hardcore? I mean, I always liked a lot. I mean, obviously we had a radio more, so I was like checking out stations. And then when it got to like the harder music, again, like the house of guitars, I would either talk to people who I went to school with and ask them what was cool. And then I'd figure it out in that punk section there and just dig. And then again, like skate videos had every kind of music in it. And I always watched those a lot. So that's, and then you're like, cool, I'm going to go try to find that thing or something like it. Cause the internet wasn't as easy for me back then. I, I had a pretty crummy computer forever. Um, and how it brings the two together. I mean, I don't think there was a distinction between it in the beginning. I think that happened after the fact. So I think that's always still in there. And, some people just don't like one or the other. They didn't have time for it, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, for me, it was always just, I mean, I guess there was a point in time where I didn't consciously like do one or the other, but I definitely like in my early twenties gravitated more towards like, just like the regular like clean cut hardcore type stuff. But yeah, but that's fun. Cause sometimes yeah. you get really into one section of it and you usually come back like, the, the last part of your question I forgot to answer is like, I love DRI and I always thought that they were like in the middle of it all. And they, you know, how can you hate on them? But they're like a punk hardcore metal band. That is a perfect band. And I think about that show a lot. I feel like you were there too. It was like 10 years ago at Montage. I got felt... really hurt at that show, but it was amazing. Yeah, I feel like some people... A few people probably got really hurt at that show, you know. I luckily didn't, but it was it was definitely a good time. I feel like they played for like damn near three hours that night too. Long set, they rocked. Big circle pit. Yeah. 
sometimes I'm still surprised that you see like Nazis at that kind of show. I don't know if it's just the leftover or whatever, but sometimes you're like, how do you end up at this show? I know it's hard music, but they don't really like Nazis. I don't really ever understand that. Just an interesting thing. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and it makes me wonder too, because obviously I'm sure you know they're, they're come back here again, I feel like in September, uh, DRIS. And I'm going to do my best. Yeah, me too. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a few shows coming up that I, some of them I had kind of forgotten about. And, um, you know, some of them I, I, I don't want to go to. That's one of them I'd really want to try to go to. But, but what I'm getting at is I kind of wonder if like more of those dudes will come out of the woodwork now because there hasn't been anything going on for a few years. And you know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see like a show like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good to, I like seeing, you mean like the, the like older, the older generation of band? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get lucky sometimes if all the members are still around our core ones and you get to see it because it's usually pretty awesome. Yeah. And DRI never really stopped. So, I mean, yeah, gotta respect that forever. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, and you're right. That's definitely one of the bands that, that definitely bridges the gap. And I guess there's, you know, more current bands have started like in the, in, in the last like 10 or so years doing like that crossover like thrash hardcore thing, you know, and it, it wasn't quite as popular when I was, you know, coming up, but now it seems like there's a lot more bands doing it. And and that's another thing that, you know, we'll get to with some of your bands is just so many different boundaries have been pushed with, with like hardcore and punk, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you think back like to the beginning, how, how simple it was to like, you can pretty much do anything with it now, you know? Definitely. Um, I love that about it. But I guess kind of sticking with the the era before, like Wolves, like like what is some of the some of the kind of stuff that sticks out for you, like like for all you know what I mean? Like you had to have been pretty young, and, and like I like I think back to me being young, and and like I tried doing bands and stuff, and there's nothing that really is noteworthy, you know what I mean? Like so it's just cool to think that you were able to do stuff like that. So I'm sure there has to be like you say it's not noteworthy, but is that rockcore tape that Alex Douglas made has a, has a song of yours on it, and I think that in years to come, people will discover that and be like, Rochester was rad because it is. That is a great comp. Yeah. I, I honestly had forgotten all about it. And when I, when I was talking to Kevin last summer, uh, Wilcox there, he, he mentioned it. And I was like. On I'm, his show, on his episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, yep. He mentioned it. And I was like, wait, what? And, and then uh, he still hasn't sent me the recording. Because I think that's probably from like a live recording. Because uh, there wow. weren't too many. Honestly, I'd need to reacquire that tape. It's just not with me anymore. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, that's yeah. that's an interesting thing that you're you're kind of touching on. I mean, and I guess as as people can hear and you're kind of noticing, we'll be all over the place a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we get like that with these discussions. Um, but it kind of ties into what I'm talking about with your bands too, though. That that rockcore compilation just makes me think of like just all the different styles of bands and music that have come out of this city you know, and, and we definitely have like an imprint that's, that's, it's Rochester, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're getting quickly to how Destructs kind of happened, I would say I found the Flower City knuckleheads and that spoke my language so hard at that time too. see them all the time. Then somehow I, from them in a weird way, I figured out about 17th class. And then it was just like, I was really excited about it. Yeah that that was a really fun band too and that and that's and that and that kind of ties it in too like when i was booking the shows like in the early 2000s like i i we would always have the shows at st joe's and we'd always try to have a few 
like 17th class some of the absolute you know i love those shows for that i love all shows still for that when it can happen like that yeah that's i know that's something that Pastafano was talking to me about recently about doing like a lodge show. And at first I was kind of like, man, I feel so old, like trying to organize one of those. But now that like, now that we're thinking about it and talking about it, it's like, that would be kind of fun just to kind of like kick it in the park and have some bands play. You know, I think people would like that too, because it hasn't been done in a while. And that's such a cool thing to rock. Like so many legendary lodge shows. Yeah. Yeah. Ellison park was obviously <laughs> a big, uh, a big part of it um see genesee valley i feel like was the one where the punks happened to like the allison park shows were amazing but for some reason the rock core stuff went towards genesee valley and i i know i saw you at some of them they got a little out of control sometimes and it was the best yeah no those are those are some of my favorites like uh i know there's a, a punks picnic coming up too like that's just thinking mm-hmm. about all the, all the crazy and that's what I was kind of trying to get to with you. You know, again, I know we're jumping all over and and kind of tying it back into to Destructs and, and eventually I object though, is all the crazy punk stuff and like the fun punk memories, you know? So kind of, I guess, take me back to the beginning. Like you were saying, like 17th class obviously was an influence and kind of, you know, bring you into like the more like, like I guess you would say like gritty or like actual punk stuff, you know? Um, yeah. You and start then, you start seeing patches that shows and you're like okay yes yeah. <laughs> like, sorry go ahead no 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 you're fine and like the liberty spikes and just all that stuff you know um so it was not long after that then you guys just kind of got rolling with destructs then and then you know I honestly can't remember how I I think the first bass player of destructs he's the cousin of Jared who drummed in destructs and in a whom they destroy for a long time they were just like trying to assemble a band and I went out to Webster one day with my lyric book and then we made it happen met adam and be, you know met adam who ended up being in like wolves together too just being like cool we're meeting at shows and now i'm at your house and we have a band that was like i feel like how we did it yeah that's one thing and obviously you know we'll touch on the other bands later but it, it, it was cool like kind of preparing for this interview like like looking at the people you played in bands with and being like you know some of these dudes you ended up like playing in several bands with for many years to come. And, and you know, it's, yep. it's cool. Yeah, obviously where it'll build out rapport. So was it, was it like pretty soon after you guys started up that you were able to start getting on some of those, like, like Genesee Valley park. And like, I know, like I said, I know I saw, I object. I don't know if Destructs is on that. That was at a lodge show too, but that would have been at, uh, I don't know who else played. I know there was like a Brighton town park show in the mix too. The I object show. I think, <sighs> I wish I had my flyer box handy because I know I have a few of that era one left. I want to say that was like one of their, like their seven inch record release show. One of their early ones. Destructs didn't play that. Mm. We played the last 17th class show, which was probably the one just before. Uh, Yeah. That was a good show. Just those, those lodges were awesome too. I don't, I haven't seen a show there since, but those were great lodges for shows. You talking about Brighton Town Park or? Yeah. Yeah, no, we had some, we had some really fun shows there. That's the one where I booked uh, like Thursday and Hope Conspiracy and Carry On. And no, there was like 300 people there that night. Like, I was that, a touch, I was, I was a touch too young. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, what I like about hardcore is every person pretty much is like, 
oh, I was just too young for an era. Everyone yeah. has that feeling about like a little yeah. bit of something. Like I just missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I see people talk about like shows from like 93, 94, like, like, like mostly like New York bands, I'm like, damn, like it's bands that I end up seeing later, but it, it, it always seems like it would have been cool to have seen like in their peak. You know what I mean? Like you see videos of like, just like really crazy shit at like CBGBs and shit. And I'm like, man, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, musically for me like in the in the early 90s it was kind of a weird time for like hardcore i feel like where there wasn't as much stuff that like i care about you know what i mean like yeah so so i'm not as as bummed out i guess like and and as we'll talk about more with the hip-hop later you know like that's kind of more what i was into for those couple years and obviously as you know the early 90s had like a treasure trove of of you know you can't get sick of it there's just too much goodness in it yeah yeah. So, but I guess we'll save the hip hop talk for you know when we get to that in a little. Oh bit. yeah. Yep. As as you know, I could I could have like a a long discussion, and I'm sure you could definitely school me on that under the table. Mm. Um, no, we'll just talk about it. We'll get excited yeah. about it and be like, okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, what kind of recordings like were you doing with like in, in the early era? Then I guess like Adam rigged up a mic or two to the computer for the first Destructs demo. And we did like a two channel in, and then I screamed into a microphone after the fact over like regular old computer headphones. That demo was fun. I still like it. It's so, you know, distorted like a boom box, but it's awesome. And there's some really good songs. I would say like our most fun popular song was on that one too. It was Basement Energy. That's the best hardcore is the is the lo-fi stuff though. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's there's some there's something good about some of the polished stuff too because you can hear everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with that real raw, like sometimes with the live recordings too, you know, like not not live at a show, you know what I mean? But like where everybody records live, you can get that real, like that real energy. Yeah, yeah. that's what always drew me to bands like Gauze too. You're just like, oh, this is fuzzed out, and I love it, and. It does its own thing. Are you, I guess we could talk for, for hours about a lot of stuff like that too. Like is so a lot of Japanese stuff then too. Like, like I've hit, I haven't done like a Japanese deep dive. Like I probably should, but I have the big records and was, is lip cream a Japanese band too? I want to say so. Yeah. Jared always used to play that. And I really liked that, but I don't want to sound ignorant and be like, it's not Japanese, but I guess that Asian section of hardcore too, I always loved, even in the like six to five era, me and my bro always like checking out the Asian hardcore stuff that was on that label. Yeah. Six to five that, I mean, that, that started obviously like, you know, when I was first getting into it, like, well, it might even a few years before that, but I feel like it was really kicking like mid nineties. And then it was, it was going good in the early two thousands, like you're talking about too. So was that a big influence too? on like, on like the early bands that you were doing then too, like listening to all that stuff? Huge. That and Havoc were the like indie labels that I was like, I tried to check out as much as I could on. Yeah. Havoc had a lot of good stuff too. I mean, Code 13 is still one of my favorite bands, you know, like Code 13 is awesome. DS 13 is like perfect skate fast core. I think one of the skit system records is on there. Caustic Christ. I loved too. that band. I, that's one of my favorites of the era. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, DS13 is, is that's another one, though, that, that, that band rules. I don't know if you got to see them. I feel like they came here a couple of times, like not to Rochester, but to the States. I never saw them. I saw Reg, was Regulations the, after, the band after them? Do you know that well? Sure, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw one of their later bands. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like DS13 a lot, though. I never got to see them live either, though. I, I feel like they toured the States a couple of times, though. But that was another thing for me, though, that was always, it didn't have to be like the, like the thrash bands and stuff. I mean, I like those bands too, but like anything that was coming out of Europe or, or I guess any other countries, but a lot of European bands, I was always like crucial response. I feel like they were a big European, like straight edge label. Yep. Like, I, I, I like like us straight edge, but for some reason I like the European straight edge more back then. You know what I mean? Like sportswear and like all that stuff. Like I think main strike was another one too. Like that stuff was just, I like the main strike seven inch. Yeah, for some reason, it just had more of an energy to me, you know, to, to me, like, than the U.S. stuff. I don't, I, it's not that I don't, I don't like the U.S. stuff either, you know, but I just like that European stuff a little bit more, you know. Sometimes you just can't explain it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, another way to bridge the gap with those labels, you were talking about Havoc, uh, Vitamin X. Uh, oh. European one, too, you know. Stefano's Garage Vitamin X show early you went to that one i think not sure if Maybe. i did i feel like i did there's some like that's when i started drinking so some of these some of these shows kind of get a little foggy for me you know what i mean we all find our ways to take breaks from hardcore yeah <laughs> from remembering it yeah um that was fun yeah. that stefano garage show was awesome vitamin yeah. x is amazing yeah, I feel like I booked them at the Bug Jar once, maybe. Um, they definitely played here like like two or three times, though, and they toured the States regularly, and I feel like they definitely did something on Havoc, too. Yeah, uh, Like Wolves ended up playing with them on their one of their record cycles at oh, Dubland. Yeah, at Dubland, right? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yep. Um, yep. I feel like I was definitely at that. Uh, I'm pretty sure you were. If I wasn't at the show, I don't know why I wouldn't have been at the show, but I was definitely walking around there that night. I mean, there, there probably was a couple nights like that too, but. <laughs> <laughs> like, when did the I object thing happen then? Was it just like something like in between or like. I did. We did destructs. Well, they were always our friends. They gave yeah. us so many lo- going back to the lodges. Yeah. They got us to play Buffalo and Syracuse for the first yeah. time. And they let us in their van. Then I'd roadie for them sometimes. Yeah. Like on a Christmas break in high school, I went to Florida and back with them for most of the vacation. And then time went on. Ryan put out our first seven inch on punks before profits. Mm-hmm. And um, that was great. That's a fun seven inch, um, great artwork. And then he took us until I went away to college and Destructs kind of ended. We played This Is For You Fest in Florida. They asked us to play like one more time that next Christmas. So we went there for that. That was awesome. That was a great hardcore festival. That was like what we talk about that had every kind of band at it. Did you ever go to one of those? I know they're far. I don't think I went to This Is For You, but I actually did. And it's funny because I was literally just talking about it tonight with somebody, uh, Chad, this kid, Chad Posick from Fairport, from like, mm-hmm. you know, from the, any, uh, we were talking about because we went down there in the year 2000. It was just called Gainesville Fest back then. I don't think it's the same thing they call a fest now. It was just like Gainesville Fest. They did it for like two years, and it was like American Nightmare, oh. uh, Poison the Well, I think, played. Love uh, Poison the Well. I never really got into Newfound Glory, but Newfound Glory played too. Um, yeah, but they're always connected to hardcore yeah. forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they took us to that, and then I was moving back home from going to school out of town for a year. 
And then Ryan was moving on to other stuff who owned punks before profits. And they asked me to play bass. So I learned all the songs in my, at my dorm room, played a show with them in new Paltz, And then we went on a huge summer tour that summer. I guess, were you already like playing instruments and stuff at this time? Like, like playing music and stuff? Like, I guess that's something I had, had thought about before. I was talking to you about like the songwriting and stuff like that. I'm a terrible drummer, but I've tried to drum in bands. It's so fun, but I'm not good at it. I've played guitar since I was a young kid. Just picked it up and never stopped playing. All right. So, so then you, 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 did you have a bass handy at, at that time? Or you just kind of like picked it up and, and started like learning the songs or? Trevor from Green Dreams and Like Wolves loaned me his bass on a weekend I had before we like coordinated that I'd go home, get the bass, bring it back to school, learn it so I could be ready to go in the summer. And then I ended up using that bass forever. And that I, I finally got my own that I liked, but I was not a great bass player by any means in the beginning. And then I really enjoyed playing it. So I tried to practice and so how long how long would you say the i object thing was for like i think it was booked for a month we did like 60 percent of the shows and then the van broke down and we were stranded for days and days and days in this i think it was called santa clara california there was nothing there thankfully we had our skateboards and we pushed around and ate cheap food until we got the van fixed and then we went home and played a few shows and then drove straight home from Colorado because the van was just dying wow Man. very fun though getting in the van is like yeah here we go yeah it's one thing I've never really gotten to experience like I I, I did a couple of weekends with bands here and there but nothing like I've, I've mentioned on here in previous episodes trying to go on tour with like Stan Fest and Bill on Fire but that's a, a disaster story in and of itself you know that's the roll of the dice. Yeah. Do, getting in a van with a bunch of wild friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and then I was in for a tour and some shows. It was over a year. I was always just friends with them. So I was around them all the time. And then I was starting, I was doing a lot in college again. And like Wolves was starting to become a thing. So I, I left, I object. And then they had the bass player, of, I want to get to this band later, but the bass player of Skate Corpse, Kurt, uh -huh. ended up playing pretty much till they stopped being an active band. So then at, at this point, you guys were, were basically starting like Wolves. And, and now this was some, a lot of people you had played in bands with previously. How, John, how John, Adam, Destructs, Phil and I played in the hooligans and just always jammed around together since we were teenagers. And, and how, did, how did Max come into the picture at that point then, I guess? Rory introduced him after the Bema years and was like, this is Max. He's a nice person and a good drummer. You guys might like playing together. And Rory continued to do tons of nice things for us for the entirety of the band. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about Rory more again. I honestly completely forgot about Bima and that Max was in Bima. That's I don't, I don't you know. It's just one of those things where you just kind of, kind of forgot about it. I guess that's uh, because there's another whole division of hardcore in Rochester that was more metalcore. Yeah, and there were great shows there too, but that was a big scene. Yeah, well, that's like that's kind of one thing that we were talking about in the beginning. That 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 now now that we're in this time frame, it it kind of shows like the 
like expansion of hardcore was cool, but it also kind of built a lot more divisions because like now you have like kind of like the rock core scene, like the metal core scene, and then like the more like I don't know what you like just traditional hardcore scene or whatever. Yeah, tra- yeah. You know, and like when we were coming up, it was like one of each of those bands would play on a bill, but now at this point <clears throat> we have three or four different subsects and 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 this at, by this point i'm talking obviously more about mid 2000s you know yeah. i'm not even talking about now where you could even have even more you know it's it's just crazy to see all that where you know so but i guess kind of sticking with like wolves though you guys brought max into the picture then like how did everything kind of like take me back to the beginning i guess you know they the four of them john Adam, Phil, Max were jamming before I got home from college trying to do something. They tried out a bunch of other singers or a handful, I think, at at least two. And then I think Phil was like, why doesn't Ben try out? And I always, you know, I always have lyrics because I'm like, if something comes up, I'd love to be ready to try to make something. And then we wrote a first song and a first practice. And then we just kind of went forward and we're like, let's get a demo done and play a show. I guess that's a good thing you're touching on there. Like you, you obviously weren't really singing for a band for a little while there. Like yeah. you had lyrics though. You're saying like, so would you just write like poems and it's like stuff that you could potentially use for lyrics down the road, like, like all the time or. Yeah. My style has pretty much stayed the same where I just love writing. I love writing lyrics. That's my favorite part of music. I'll get a, sometimes I'll get one line and sometimes I'll get a huge page. And sometimes those don't even end up being things. I just pick and choose like along the line. It's like, I always have something add to it, but sometimes once Adam, I will say this, the synergy I had with those riffs in that band was just like, it always, every song was like, cool. I really like this. What's like working back and forth. Sometimes you struggle with the lyrics and you're like, get way too stressed out about it. Adam's riffs really brought what I needed out of me at that time. So now with like wolves, like I don't have like the whole discography and stuff like that in front of me. I I have, I have a few ideas of things that I kind of want to talk to you about with the band though. Yep. A few things, a few things obviously that, that I tie into, we'll talk about too. But um, first I think though, we've already mentioned Rory a couple of times. Yep. Um, at the time, like during the time that Like Wolves was active, Rory was in uh, both Achilles and Soul Control. Now, yep. now, how did all that play in with you guys? You guys did a lot of shows together, and you were saying before that he helped out you guys a lot. That our friendship with Rory goes back to Destruct's years because he was always playing lots of shows. First Destruct show was with Witness and Stolen Tango at Fairport Teen Center. We just stayed pals with Rory. At the time, I was a practicing straight edge, so I think we had that bond, too. And then we just ended up being friends forever. I mean, you've known Rory forever. He's such a, you know, he's great. And then he always just went out of his way to, you know, we met John 25, and then he mixed up a few hardcore shows. Like, we played with Blue Monday, which is not like us even a little bit. And that was great, because then we were like, cool, now we know more about this, and I feel like we started going to more shows in the hardcore world after that. Yeah. That's another thing too. Those guys definitely, John and Rory were, were having, having come up in the scene that I was talking, we were talking about before 
like they're people that were were definitely cool with with trying to keep it like punk and hardcore like like one and the same and it, it's cool that there are always people that were, were willing to kind of wave that flag you know yeah um, but, but uh, I, i'm sorry go ahead. no go ahead no i was gonna say obviously you're talking about your friendship with rory um so how does this all kind of tie into like wolves though i mean you know he got us max he really wanted us to have fun and play shows if we wanted to do that. And he liked the music we were making. So we went out. Our first shows was a weekend with Achilles and a band called Tides. Those were our first shows. We played Rochester and maybe New York and Rhode Island, I think. And that was awesome. And then Rory was in, so then he was in Rhode Island um, with Soul Control doing that. And we did so much with Soul Control. They became really nice friends to us and they got us on fest they took us for weekends they always like went out of their way to give us nice contacts that would you know give us shows just asking around so he was always down to help yeah that's really cool i mean anybody who knows rory obviously you and i know it that that he's that's someone if he knows you he'll help you out you know he's someone who's helped a lot of bands over the years and a lot of people so that he was someone that was able to do that for you guys you know if, if there's records that, I, that i'm missing that you want to talk about obviously let me know but, but obviously the one that that a lot of people on here are probably familiar with is the one that came out on hex yep um and it's cool that like jacko you guys were able to work with him too because there's obviously a history with him he, he you know he had done a bunch of other stuff before that too so uh you know kind of take me back to that like how, how long of an experience you know how long was the recording process and we had Hex put out our LP and the Oak and Bone LP at the same time, which is amazing that that man could do that. That is such an undertaking. And we had back-to-back recording sessions. So I think we went three days and then Oak and Bone had their days. And I went, I left work. I was cooking at the time in, in a restaurant and I took the weekend off and we went and recorded with Jocko. They had already had some of the music sketched out, so... That was the first time in a studio setting, staying there and putting in really long hours, trying to figure stuff out, writing stuff at the last minute and trying to make a a cool LP. And was that, so I'm guessing that was like several weeks, like recording or or like days? No, we we wrote that LP for a long time and all of the people who played instruments and like Wolves took a lot of care. Like they really got tight and recording was like pretty smooth we got a sound we needed we didn't get too hung up on stuff and then i was probably the weakest link to be honest but <laughs> it's crazy to think about like flying through a recording like that where like some bands you know what i mean they'll just like like i was saying before everything kind of has to like be like like so i guess you know you're it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with that energy where you don't want to kind of have to keep doing so many takes because you're going to lose that and it's going to kind of sound more you know well also live recording you just get you know some of the stuff you get what you get and there's an amazing energy to that in its own right so you do cut down on a little time that way now was was jacko like the the more the more like well-known like producer i guess you could say quote unquote that you guys worked with or were, were there other like yeah and hex hooked us up with him we met him at a show he was like you should record with him he'll get He'll make a good sounding record for you. And he's my friend. So Jocko's into so much kind of music too. It's great to have a person's influence. That's not just straightforward 
this is what we sound like. Try that. It's like he put his own flavor on that stuff, and I love that because his background with reggae and rock and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. I feel like he does like sound and stuff for for like reggae because I want to say like I forget who. There, I definitely was at a reggae show where I feel like he was he was involved with some sort of production or whatever. He he worked with Thunderbody a lot. If you ever saw them, yeah, that that, that might be what it was. Okay, you know? cool. Yeah, definitely something local. So so that could have been it. I mean, it was for obviously. Sure you know, some years ago. Yep. Now there's a couple tie-ins with, with myself and like wolves. There was a couple shows. I feel like you guys played when, and, and both of these are shows that I booked with uh, uh, sketchy Dave. Yep. I feel like, I feel like you guys were on that modern life is war show that we did. Yep. Penny arcade that, that one's not quite as memorable for me. I mean, it, it was definitely a fun show, you know, and it's cool that we were able to put it all together. But the one that's kind of more memorable for me because it's just kind of like a cool story the way it all kind of happened, like like literally at the last minute, is uh, how you and I kind of and this and I, and you and I didn't really know each other that well before that. I think you just kind of cold called me for this too. You know, we, you we chatted and nodded and we were like, yeah. we like that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, but it was like, you know what I'm getting at with it right now though, or yeah, the, oh the, absolutely, yeah, the Black Breath show fantastic show uh, yeah sketchy and i had already booked like a show for like my 30th birthday at like elixir or whatever and it was just like gone a war and like some like you know like rochester hardcore type thing and i don't remember exactly what happened i'm sure you'll be able to remember a little bit better but i feel like black breath's van died or something they they got it working again and they missed the show in buffalo so we came home i think again rory was like you should hit up josh's birthday shows tonight because the guys in black breath stayed at my house and they were like, is there any way we could play a show in Rochester? And I was just like, I know about this one. I know this man, Josh, let me see if it can happen. And you graciously also said we could play, which was like, A, you didn't have to do that because that was a late night and it was awesome. Every single band people had fun for, every kind of kid that was at that show too, was awesome. And that, and that again goes with our constant theme of what we've been talking about throughout this whole conversation is, is like sketching. I had booked like more of like what you would call like a, like a traditional hardcore, like, like almost like tough guy type show. But then you hit me up and it's like, now like wolves is going to play black breast going to play. And it's like, no one, no one cares. They all want to see all these bands. You know what I mean? Like, and definitely. It was just, I feel like I might've even had uh that might've been one of those shows where Chiba Hawk played too. Like my, my friend Stoner Rock band. They might, they have, might have been first. I think I, yeah. well, I don't remember because obviously that was a night. So there's probably not a flyer from that. Yeah. But oh, cool. what that's reminded me of though, is, is something that Rory has, I've seen him talk about before and I've asked him about, and, and now it's kind of making me think if you know anything like this, that's happened with you uh, in previous experiences. Uh, like Rory talks about like tour magic. So obviously experience, an experience like that would be like what you would refer to as like tour magic, like having something like that, like, like come together, like last minute, like definitely did stuff yeah. like that, like, like come together for you guys, like not a show like that, but you know, can you think of like times when you're on the road and just like something just like, oh man, like I wasn't expecting this to happen type thing or just like something like, you know what oh, I mean? yeah, there are always people. I mean, not always, but there are people down to get you a show if a show falls through or do a second show just because they want want yeah. to do that or whatever i object had that all the time because everyone was so hyped who went to those shows you know 
they were a great band. Um, I'll have to think about something specific. I mean, we played in South Dakota once to a show that I think was probably booked pretty last minute. And I've never experienced a show like that in my life. I just, one of those ones, wow. Bowling alley, tons of people with not a lot of stuff coming around them and they drove for everywhere. And there was like every kind of kid there. That was I object or like wolves that played that like wolves and soul control. Soul control. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool and totally like in the middle of nowhere and it's just like bowling alley just yeah. like here the kids can there was a square a mosh square like you can't dance outside of the tape i was like this is amazing wow, that's crazy. yeah that's really cool though and that's and that's just like things like that like you'll 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 expect to just like go on tour and, and play these like like Chicago, Minneapolis, you know what I mean? Like places where all these bands have talked about, like, but then your experience is like this really cool thing that happened in South Dakota. You know, it's, it's cool to hear Definitely. stuff. You know? Yeah. Like that's how the memories really happen though. It's like, like stuff like that. It's like unexpected, you know? <sighs> Definitely. In addition, I guess, to like tour magic, if you can rack your brain, like what, like, like what are some of like the better, cause it sounds like you did quite a bit of touring with like Wolves too. Like, like what are some of the better memories that you had like with all that? We always had fun. We never had terrible van trouble until like a tour was over and it would die. So that we got lucky on that front. Um, we would do, we were really good about trying to do a few weeks in the summer, do something during Christmas break while we were all going to school, do weekends when we could. We were all just on it at the time. That was like what we wanted to be doing and having fun and and then in the summer, we would try to do a longer one. We did one to the West Coast, and that was so fun. Another thing that I'm thinking of, too, that I should have mentioned in the beginning is, is like, sonically, your, your, the music and the bands. Obviously, the first couple bands, more like what we'd refer to as rockcore. For anybody yep. not from Rochester that's unfamiliar, it's, like, like hardcore punk, but we call it rockcore because it's, I don't it's know. It's special. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say you could describe it, but it's kind of one of those things that we can't really describe. It's rock core. Impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so you had those bands and then sonically, like with like wolves, you, you kind of go more towards a lot of different directions, you know, like, like, like math, mathy, indie rock, obviously the Louisville influence, you know? Yeah. Like, when like when did like when like when when were you thinking like you were gonna like were they i guess they were already doing the music before you so i guess it was kind of them that wanted to like kind of do something completely different than what you had done before they had a band whom they destroy mm-hmm. which a uh, which was kind of like the precursor to like wolves okay. it was a little more rock and rolly okay great band um but that was phil and adam and john so then like wolves that's how that happened going back to that then that ended and they found max um they had some music written i want to say one of them can call me a liar if i'm lying but i think we like figured out two or three songs like being like these are cool enough to go like in the first two practices they were like on it and i was like i really want to write to these i'll come with something next time yeah yeah and then the four became the demo we just went for it. That's really cool. Like I said, I, I, you know, I, I know I said we we're going to jump around a little bit in the beginning. I, I don't mean to like. No, I love this. Back and forth with the band like that. But I was thinking about that in my head. I was like, you know, I hadn't really mentioned the, the sonic, the sonic part. And I was like that bridging the gap there kind of makes sense. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break to check out a song from Like Wolves. The song's called Missionary. After the break, my son Hendrix will welcome you back to the podcast. There's a couple other things with like wolves, I guess. And and I know you're a pretty modest person, so you probably won't like look at it this way, but like like Rochester kind of has like a legacy, I feel like, with like bands and stuff. And like like early two thousands is like Stand Fast and you know, bands like that. And like mid to late two thousands to me would obviously be like Achilles, like Wolves. Like you could add a few more, like like Borrowed Time and Dawn of War from like the scene that I'm a part of, but like Definitely. 
like how do you look at it with like loves it like are, like are, are you like like is that something I'm, you're proud of to like be a part of like a history like that you know what i mean oh absolutely that was a great time everyone speak i mean speaking for myself i feel like everyone in the band was all about it when we did it and until we didn't really do it consistently anymore um no it's good i mean i feel like shows were really fun we played we played with Donna Warren Borrowed Time, too. We loved that. That was always good. Yeah. It was cool to have hard, like hardcore bands that didn't sound the same, too. There's not a lot of bands that were like, oh, that one kind of sounds like that one in town. Yeah. No, that's what I was saying before, too. It's like Rochester definitely has like an imprint. Like, like you, like, and not every band sounds the same, but like I feel like you can kind of tell sometimes like when a band's from Rochester. Like when definitely. And, and like the way the way we're talking about it and I guess kind of doing prep for this interview, like I know like Wolves played a last show, but like, like, are you guys like officially broken up or is it just kind of kind of those things where you guys like will or would play the occasional show still? Like we played a last show because I quit in an email. Cause I was like this, it's, it's funny now, but it was probably way too dramatic, you know, to be emotional dramatic. And then we just decided like, you know, we didn't hang out as much probably for like six months or something. And then we were like, we should play another show and then play a couple of shows. And we, we haven't played in a while since a few summers ago, but um, I wouldn't say it's out of the cards again to someday to play. I mean, we had another new song written, which would have been really fun to record, but life happens rapidly. So maybe next time we meet up, we'll see what happens. So obviously, like I said, we're jumping around a little bit. If, if yep. there's anything that like I'm skipping with like wolves that you want to talk more about with like wolves, you know, that's hits a lot of it. I want to say one thing that's going to jump back. I also had a job on and off at record archive for a very long time. And that was really important too. in music, being able to talk about music 40 hours a week was amazing. Again, along with house of guitars another place that Rochester for the legacy is definitely important, especially for the music. I mean, two any- monster record stores. So yeah. cool. Yeah, anybody who's been into punk or hardcore in the last however many years, like we've we've all gotten and or put up flyers there and seen flyers for shows there and bought records there. And, you know, it's it's definitely a piece of Rochester history. So that's, I'm glad you mentioned that actually. Yeah, I didn't want to leave them out because they, that did a lot for me in my life. Yeah, Um, we, I know you and I both have kids, which which we'll talk about. Um, But we talk, we, we take my son Hendrix there, like, you know, not, not all the time, but at least like once a month or two, every month or two, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. show him the record store and he, you know, gets like a toy or whatever, you know? Oh, awesome. I can't wait to do that with Silas. Yeah. We listen to records upstairs with him all the time. He has like some like, like Muppets and like Mary Poppins type records. And then he likes like the Beatles and he likes little Richard a lot too. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But it's really cool to be able to like watch him, like the way he is like picking up music. I always yeah. ask, you know, I'm like, you know, this shirt that I'm wearing, because he has some of the same shirts as me, like Ramones and Bad Brains and Gorilla Biscuits. And I'm like, do you want to hear what those bands sound like? And he's always like, no. It's almost like he knows oh. it's going to be like, like, you know. When he hears the Ramones, he'll be singing a different tune. Yeah, definitely. That'll be Bad that'll Brains, be, too. Yeah. Well, his name's Hendrix Richard, too. So HR. Oh. Yeah. He doesn't know yet. Maybe he'll never know. He'll be like, I'm not listening to Bad Brains. Yeah. <laughs> one other question before we jump into a couple other musical projects that i was i was thinking uh if you have any funny uh 
uh, nudity story, nudity stories because we haven't really discussed that at all um, from over the years. I know that was such a wild out phase for me. I don't know what came over me. That was just <laughs> something that happened often. If you read, so Hex did a great retrospective of all the records he put out, had an interview from everybody. Phil tells the story about um, me jumping out of the ceiling at a skate park show at the Brighton Henrietta Townline Skate Park, and that was awesome. There were so many nudity things, though. There was one that Ryan and Barb booked. It was some, you know, crusty show. There were a lot of bands on it, and I just was like, I'm walking in here in my high tops and no clothes and my bandana around my neck. And that's, you know, there's, there's definitely pictures somewhere in the world of that, but yeah, nudity was just fun for me. And then I feel like I was like, does this ever bother people when I do it? I might be making someone uncomfortable. So I got out of the phase and I tried to be like, maybe that's not so reasonable anymore. Uh, I'm not going to say their name. I think I might've mentioned this either on here or on an IG live once. Yeah. Uh, if, if they want to come back on here and say their name, they can, but there was a show years ago where I used to always like, I don't know if I said I was going to get naked or if like people just like, I would like kind of like walk around like, like in my boxers or some shit, like in the pit or whatever. And then it was like, I think some, like, again, this person, I'm not going to say their name, but them and I were talking bef- before and during the show about potentially, actually doing the whole nudity thing for said band and i was like i don't know maybe i'll do it and i kind of just stood there for a little bit and then all of a sudden i looked over and and dude's just standing there fully naked you know and i'm like holy shit like i wasn't expecting it but there he was you know so (sighs) yeah uh, if he wants to come on and and, you know and say it was him he can't i'm not gonna you know i don't know if he'd be embarrassed by years later so Definitely. I mean, I'm not embarrassed. Sometimes I'm like, that probably bothered someone and I feel for that. And yeah, if I had to be like, I'm so sorry, I hope I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am really excited to to discuss hip hop and, and rap with you, as I've mentioned, you know, yeah. times already. But before we do that, I had kind of, well, I guess I didn't even realize uh, that, that you play or played in, in Green Dreams too. Yep. Green Dreams is... Trevor and Jesse's great friends of mine, longtime band. It's been the two of them as the core member. Did you have you have you ever seen them? I've never seen Over them. The I, know, I know them obviously, and I, I sure. just I didn't realize that you were you know. Yeah, their bass player was moving away. Like Wolves wasn't happening anymore. I was doing. I was learning to make beats and write better raps. Just practicing, and then they were like, "You want to play bass?" So. I had been still practicing bass and I was like, I'd love to. So I learned it and it just made me keep, I was like, I really like doing this. So I'm going to keep playing it. I put out a seven inch with them on, I did a small label for a while. I put out five, seven inches, cherish records. Green dreams was one of the first. What were the others? We'll talk about green dreams a little bit more too, but just before I forget, what were the other releases on the label? Thunderbody seven inch. Cause I worked with the singer for a long time and I just, I was always like, I love this band. I don't know why. Got to put out a record for them. There's not enough like reggae this era yeah. 45. I put out a Plasticine 7-inch, which is a great, I don't want to say surfy, but it's like washed out punky indie rock. It's awesome. Great vocal melodies, awesome guitar parts, great band. Tapehead, which is like 
I don't know what area of probably my war era black flag or something like that. Maybe not, but that's my friend Cam's band. And then I put out a rap seven inch for my friend Moses Rockwell, which is awesome. It's like, I play it for Silas. He's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorite Rochester musicians ever. The only person I think that I can think of that's got a label that would have come close to having anything that eclectic uh, was on here recently, Jared with uh, Sawyer. Definitely. But even his shit, that's that, the catalog you just listed there of, of stuff you put out. That's crazy that it's that diverse. You know what I mean? Like that just goes to show like all the different kind of stuff you're into, which we'll get into in a second, obviously. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not something you're still actively doing on the label. You just did those. I'll or- do another one someday, but it's just like, like with life and kids and house and all that stuff. It's like, I haven't figured out a way to have that kind of disposable income to do a release, but yeah. I'm yeah. the same way. I definitely want to, I had, I had the label back in the day where I put out a bunch yep. of stuff out and I've, I've thought about doing it again. And now my whole, well, obviously the, the, the money thing is obviously one thing, but another thing that I thought of is, I was like, what would I call a label? But now I'm just like thinking like, might as well just keep the same record label going that I had before and make the next release, the next number. You know what I mean? Like, definitely. That, that'll happen at some point for anybody who's, who's listening, you know, can't, so, I can't wait. But again, uh, tangent, tangent aside, back to green dreams, I guess. Yep. Um, so you would put the seven inch out. Yep. And then we played a lot. We played a lot locally. We did weekends when we could, we played short there and drive backs. Um, and then perfect pussy took us out on a tour with them, which was awesome because they're nice people and they just liked green dreams and they took us with them. And we got to play so many awesome shows of a different kind I've never played before. Was that like a full U S tour or? It was a East Coast Midwest tour. It was about, it was a little over three weeks, I want to say. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. So are you, are you like still actively like, like doing that with them or? No, I left the band in pro, you know, as we all get in our times in life where we go through the rockier moments, I was like, I can't in my, in life right now, I can't do this band. Like it just wasn't what I was feeling didn't want to be like super social as much anymore. And the rap shit just took over. It was already had like a stranglehold on it, but it, I was like, that's just what I want to make when I have my creative time. So again, uh, all due respect to anybody you've previously played music with. Yep. This is the part of the conversation that I was and am most excited about the hip hop uh, part of the conversation. <laughs> But before we get into that, is there anything else that that we didn't touch on with any like the hardcore and punk or any other bands that I mean, I've said it all. It's always there for people to discover it. And I'm sure there will be people who are into one scene. There'll be people like us who can't get enough of all of it. That's a good way to put it. Um, I also we did a Green Dreams LP and that was fun playing an instrument for a whole LP. That was a lot of work. And that was a fun time. What label? What or did did you guys self-release it? I think Je- I think Jesse put the CD out and then a kid from Buffalo who I'm, I feel so bad I'm blanking on his label name did a short run of the LP. That's cool. And they and they look great and they sound great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that again that's that's cool that you were able to do such like eclectic different type, types of music. Um So the thing with the hip hop, I I guess I could have brought this up to you in the beginning of the conversation and I thought about asking you but then I was like we can just save it all for this part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like when did you first like get interested in like hip hop and rap? Like was it was it like before? Young kid. Yeah. Young kid. Um 
I had a radio and I always listened to DKX, especially when I couldn't sleep at night. And I'd make little, you know, press pause, play pause, mixtapes, or record rather, and just wait and learn about hip hop that way. And then once I started getting allowance, I'd get a tape. I'd buy a lot of different, I wasn't like only buying hip hop at that age. So I was trying to get like a lot of, a little bit of a lot because tapes were expensive back then on crappy allowance, you know? So, but I loved LL Cool J. I loved the Beastie Boys. That was just on. And then we had cable. So I watched MTV all the time. Yeah. And, and rap, yo, MTV raps was huge. And if I'd catch that, I'd always learn a little something. Yo, MTV raps was huge for me. And then I don't know if you, if you, uh, which I could like BET out a lot too, but they had Rap City. Yep, um, that was a really big one for me. That's where I heard heard uh, Outcast for the first time, and a, and a lot a lot of groups though. But Outcast, I specifically remember like seeing uh, the, the Players Ball video, and it was like '94, so everybody was wearing like New York and LA stuff, and they had on like Atlanta Braves, you know what I mean, like Houston Astros type stuff. And I'm like, Yo, who are these dudes? You know, and that was a good era Braves jersey too. Yeah. The Braves were killing it back then. Oh yeah, the mid '90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, historic. So, so I guess like me, then you you kind of were into into like hip hop, hip hop and rap a little bit before the punk stuff. Then, yeah. And then I think I got you know once I started to meet kids in like older grades who liked music and had it too, I traded or they make me made me a tape. So many made tapes. Now, there was a couple of years for me where, like, now it's not really like that because, like, hardcore and hip-hop are kind I don't want to say they're connected, but they kind of are. But back, like, back then, though, I, I feel like there was kind of more of, like, a disconnect with, like, punk and hip-hop and rap. And for me, it was, like, once I got into punk, I kind of forgot about rap for, like, two years. Like, did that ever happen to you? Or are you, like, consistently listening to it, like, the whole time throughout, like, all this stuff? I was into it forever. Like, I, I still try to check out, like... I can't get to everything because there's a million things. But if I see something, I try to check it out, like popular stuff, indie stuff, whatever. Like if something seems like it might be interesting, I'll give it a listen and see if I like it. But I mean, MTV in the 2000s for rap, just all this, like all the children of outcast groups because the South, you know, started, I mean, Lil Wayne too. I love Lil Wayne. So then you just watch all that and there's everything. I didn't get into hip hop like Nas and stuff until later in the nineties. Like I wasn't like in a, I didn't, I don't think that was on the radio as much. It was, but like, not like the really popular ones. So, but then again, skate videos. Yeah. I, you could see what it was at the end of the song and be like, cool, I'm going to go try and buy that. Yeah. And again, there goes back to the skateboarding thing too. And that, cause the, to me, that's always been cool that that, the music there like they they've always respected all of it like punk hardcore hip-hop you know and, and there's definitely yep. been a connection there with all of it so that's that's really cool at what point though like i know when you first told me that you were going to start like working on hip-hop and stuff like that and, and i'm not trying to jump ahead too far from no. like, get into it and stuff but like at what point did you realize that you were like because all of us who listen to rap obviously like like we'll walk around and kind of like bop our head and, and try to think we're a rapper and this and that. But like, when did you kind of start being like, Oh, I could write a couple rhymes or I could like, maybe I could like try to do this rap thing. I mean, my, my like, sometimes people tell me the like wolves LP has a rap rock feel to it. They tell me that's where it turned, it turned the corner. 
And I just liked rap. I don't know if I even intentionally did it. I was just really interested in the cadence of it and all that kind of stuff. So it did. And then I had like, I had a bunch of raps written that I didn't show anybody forever. Cause I was so like, I'm going to get laughed at. But then, you know, I was like, eh, got to show them sometime and they'll get better. So I've always been the kind of person too. It's like, even if it's not a full thing, try to write something down every day, a line, it's still there for you when you get back. And then I had shit, you know what I mean? And then I was like, cool. I want to make a little tape. Got to write six songs. But uh, I would say, I would say rapping started in Life Wolves. Showing people. Cause that's, that's what I was going to say too. That's where I was going with it. I remember you were telling me towards the end of like wolves that you were going to start doing this stuff. Yep. And obviously I think you knew that I was into it and that's why we were talking about it. Yep. And I, I was stoked. So I, I think like my first couple of questions were, when are you going to like perform live with this? And when are you going to like put out a recording and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong too, cause I might be remembering this incorrectly, but I feel like you told me you were like, I don't really want to, I don't really want a lot of people to hear this. It's kind of more for me that I'm doing this. Like it's still, it still is in a way, but I mean, I like to have fun and people ask me to play shows and I've usually just been like, it hasn't worked out for one reason or another, but I am going to play a show at Lux tentatively September 10th. There's a big story to get to there though, but that's with Chris Vandeviver from Sakes Alive, me and him. So me and him wrote a whole LP together, put it out two years ago. We never really played on it. Now we're like refiguring all that out, but we have a new LP almost done. We've been chipping away at it for probably two years. So it's LP two and we're shooting to either get the album out or a song out by Halloween. So there's a lot done on it, but we're like the polishing game is, you know, that's dope is, is patient. So that's right. But I made a lot of hip hop music before that a lot. You know, I learned to make crappy beats. I bought an MPC to learn to make beats because it was cheaper than a computer at the time. Yeah. So I did that. I put some songs out on a CD and gave them around to people. I played a terrible first show. It was like the worst thing that's ever happened to me probably. And then I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. Keep going for it. But I guess I played shows here and there over the years, but it's mostly been about writing and recording. That's my, that's my favorite. I have a lot of other questions, but before I forget you just mentioning shows makes me think of a really like, it's funny to me. And like, I always think that my sense of humor is different than a lot of people. So maybe it's not funny to a lot of people, but any, I, I pretty much not every single rap concert I've been to, but a lot of them, yo, there's a whack ass sound man here tonight. Like the rappers, like at least half the rappers that I've seen have said that. Is that like a real thing where sound men just don't know how to do sound for rap? Or do you think it's more just like a stick for rappers? I, like, I think it depends on the venue. I think sometimes, I mean, probably more in the older era too, when things were on thumb drives or right off a computer, there can sometimes be not a great translation of the music you're playing. Like if I've gone to see a hip hop show at Darien Lake, it sounds amazing. You know what I mean? You're like, this is dialed in. People yeah. have the staff to do this. Yeah, some people are just like, it gets pretty blown out. I don't know if it's anyone's fault necessarily. I think some people are just like, they don't work with that kind of music and maybe more so in the past as much so they didn't know what to do with it on the board or they were just being jerks and like, I hate rap. There's your volume. Yeah. That's all you get. And the, and the, few experiences you had you haven't really had any that hasn't been any of your issues though is with the sound men or anything like that i guess then 
No, because I've played a lot of shows that were like, you know, basement shows and I had control over the tiny PA. And then most people were always pretty cool to me, you know, like I just try to be like, Hey dude, thank you for doing this. I know, you know, or you get to know them over the years because there's only so many people at the little clubs around here and they're just nice and they do it. I mean, sometimes my beat sounded bad and unpolished. So it, that was what it was, but I don't blame anybody for that. Now I remember seeing a video of action Bronson playing at like rolling loud or one of those festivals from like a few years ago. And it looked like he was just like holding his phone to like cue up each song for like the beats or whatever. Like, is it, like, I've seen people use their phones. Like I've gone to bigger concerts where it's like the rapper controls their laptop and that's just what they want to do sometimes. So like, I kind of like that he used this phone though from the crowd. He's like, ah, right now I'm doing this one right now. Yeah. And then some, I've seen band, I've seen people, I saw Nas with a full band. I've seen rappers with DJs, you know, Mob Deep. I got to see them a few times and they had, um, Ski Beats, who is just a classic DJ, and he was awesome. And to get that DJ plus rapper, it's like you don't get that all the time. Yeah, yeah, I never got to see Mob Deep, which obviously I won't be able to now. Uh, rest in peace, sucks. Uh, For sure, that's definitely classic. I I listen to Infamous all the time still. Um, Perfect record. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. There's that whole era that I mean, there's. I could probably name 50 perfect records from like the early to mid nineties. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Like I, I have a job uh, at Macy's where I ship packages for like half a day. So I just have my, my phone on and just listening to rap music all day. Oh, how do you do it? Albums or do you put on little mixes? Well, I put it on Spotify and sometimes I'll put on albums. And then if I get sick of that, like now I'm realizing that Spotify will just like make a mix for me. And it's like, it's like a nineties rap mix. So they'll play That's like, cool. It'll be like a big pun song, then like a woo song, you know, it's just like all yep. from songs that I played before too. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. I guess that you, you kind of threw me for a loop with the, with the Chris Vandevire thing. I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about that before we talk. Cause I'll have more, I have a few more questions about that too, obviously, but yep. like with, with, with making the, the, the stuff, like you're making all, all the own beats and everything yourself, right? Like you don't, you don't, you don't have anybody else cutting the, like you're well, making stuff with him. You've made all the beats and everything yourself or he and I together, I'd say some of them lean more towards him on the creation front, but we are always constructing songs together. I love the drum machine. So sometimes I'll have brought in a little drum loop I've created and he's really gotten attracted to that. And we'll build the song off that. We just try to come with ideas. So it's like stays exciting. And it's not like now we have to do one that sounds like this. It's like kind of just like, that whole first album called All Good, we just chipped away at it until we liked the songs. And it's, it's, it's a great record. So that, that one is you and him doing that together then, though, that one? Yeah, and our next one is going to be Haunted Mansions. That's going to be – it's coming. I promise it's coming before the end of 2021. It can be enjoyed. So uh, sticking with All Good, though, when I when – you like, I don't have a lot of people to talk to about – well, I talked to some people about rap, but not a lot of people I know, like know a lot about like local rappers and stuff. So like, you're one of the people I can like text and ask, like, if you like this rapper or that rapper, yep. and then you kind of tell me the other day that you like a few, and one of them you mentioned was, was Moses, yep. which you obviously mentioned you had done his seven inch too. So that my question was going to be how you, how you linked up with him on your album. But I think I just answered it myself. Uh, we met through me going, I worked with a kid who's also been a lot. He's not a kid anymore. He's a, he's a young man. Like us all. 
he, um, his name's Bushido Garvey. That's his rap name, or it was. He goes by uh, Brandon White now. And he just started bringing me to local hip-hop shows because I was, like, interested in it. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of Hassan Mackey. Yeah. Of course. He's just, like, a gift to not only the world, but Rod- he's from Rochester. He is a fantastic musician and an awesome person. So I was like, I'd love to see him. Will you take me to a show? And then he just started getting me to go to, like, local rap shows that's really cool yeah my, yep. my and my my one i have i've seen hassan and stuff but my one cool thing about seeing him was like the year 2000 i think it was uh my roommate Petey and i at the time we went to like a couple like local like hip-hop like open mic type nights and shit and it would just be like do his rapping and shit and like he was always the one though that just would kill it every single time and that's Un- unbelievable was it java's related because that's where a lot of the open mics were right Jabos was definitely where I saw him at yeah. doing the open mic the first time, but, but no, I'm just, you could tell. So I worked at Midtown Plaza at the time too. And you could tell that he was trying to be like a rapper on the come up too, because like there was like one of those like cash money tours or one of those things. And all the rappers were in Midtown and I saw them all walking around. And then all of a sudden, cause he worked there at the time too, at all day Sunday. Cause I worked at like Brugger's or whatever. Yeah. All of a sudden I looked over and there he is, like like just like kind of like walking with them all or whatever. I'm like, oh shit, this dude's about to like fucking he's, get on stage with these dudes or whatever. Tonight. He's talking to the hot boys. Yeah, that's that and that's crazy to think back then because that's that probably really is who that was, because that was like year two thousand. So that would have been Oh, it absolutely yeah. has to be because yeah. that is a that's a tour I was so young for that my parents were like, Yeah, we don't even want to hear anything about yeah. that. Yeah, and and it's funny because like you mentioned and me talking about Southern rap before too, like there's a lot of people, like there's a lot of different styles of rap that I don't know if it's like when they first come out or just for whatever reason, like I'm just like, Oh, that's corny. I don't like that. And like little Wayne's definitely one of those people that I didn't like at first, but now like years later, there's a few other ones too, but he's the one I can think off the top of my head that I, I go back now and I'm like, damn, I really been missing out on a lot of good shit that this dude's put out over the years. You know, now that I go back and listen to just, you know, a lot of different shit that he's done, you know? He's just, yeah, just what that man does. And he says he doesn't put a pen to paper. His, his word game is, and his melody is amazing. So you mentioned the Southern rappers before. It's interesting. There's one we haven't talked about, and I hope you won't be offended by me saying this. No. When I listen to some of your stuff, I hear a little bit of like kind of early, like yellow wolf in there too. I don't know if you, if you listen to him at all. Yeah. I, Speedfire rap was where I first started with trying to figure out if that was like, I mean, I just wanted to try all kinds of rap then. Yeah. I loved it. I yeah. think I, there's a couple of Yellow Wolf mixtapes that I loved. I didn't love his studio albums. There was a little too much yeah. singing on it for yeah. me, but yeah, I would say I also, one of my favorites ever is I love Ludacris and I just love what he does with flow. That's another one that when I was going to mention rappers that when they first came out, I was like, yo, that's really corny. I don't like that. And then he did a record. I forget what the DJ's name is, but it, the DJ like used all Jackson five, like samples and beats and stuff like that. And then it, he like, he like remixed the Ludacris record with it. And when I heard that, I was like, yo, this is, this is good. And then I, and after that, I've always gone back and listened to his shit too. Cause I'm like, yo, sometimes I think I just get this idea in my head that these mainstream dudes are just, I hear like their couple like catchy songs or whatever. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about the rest of their stuff. Cause even people like Jay-Z, you could say that of too. It's like, 
But what like, we got to remember is like, there's also usually between like 10 and 15 other songs after those singles. And that's where the, that's where the, like people who love rap and are trying to be like, well, this one's a little more poppy or polished or hooky. That's the one the regular people hear. There's like the good shit or the dark, the deep shit is on the record. You got to get it. Yeah. Not always, but like so, Jay-Z's perfect. All his stuff that's not singles is my favorite. Yeah. I mean, he's, he honestly has a couple of good singles too, but no, he's, he's. Oh, for sure. A lot of good ones. And then some of those dudes, like, I don't know, like if they put out like why, he, if it was just a remix album or what that blueprint, whatever point five or whatever, but like that uh a, a remix with mlp any remix with mlp on it's going to get my attention you know what i mean definitely but something with yeah but obviously i could talk as you know about hip-hop and rap for hours and you know i'm sure you and i can do that uh more off air is there any is there anything else you want to say about the stuff you're doing with vandeviver or anything like with the project coming up yeah i mean he is such a good friend and he is so patient because sometimes this for me is like sometimes getting into the music thing. I'm sure you might be able to have experienced this when you give so much into one thing and you're like doing it and you're like burning so hard on it. Sometimes that fizzle out is like, I'm just gone for a second. He is patient through if I need that kind of time because we can have an open conversation about it and we've made really cool music as a result of it. And I think it's cause we're friends first and then we try to make fun music. And again, another question I would have asked earlier, but obviously, like I said, I didn't really even know you guys were, were doing this. Um, how did you and him even really like link up? Is it, is it just cause he's like doing the studio engineer thing or whatever now? And you guys just like linked up that way or. I tried out for sakes alive when they were first, he was trying to first uh, play shows live. He didn't have a, the bass player. I, I don't remember who played, but. I learned the songs. I wasn't very good at bass then. He was really patient with me. And then I went home and practiced really hard, some of the harder parts. And then I think we jammed again. And he was like, you really worked hard on that. Like, I appreciate that. Like, if you want to play with us, you can. It didn't work out because I think, like, Wolves started to be, I think that was all in the same time. I might have met him on a board, the Rochester Hardcore board, to be honest with you. But then we always just stayed friends. And we've made a couple rap songs here and there over the years and then we were just like let's try to make something longer and we wrote an lp yeah i know he was doing this like i said the studio thing now and and going back to stefano he suggested to get him on at some point on the podcast and obviously that's something i want to do you know yeah he's he's done so much he's played so much music and helped people put out so much music too yeah it's it's cool like people like him that again bridge the gap from like that era to like like early 2000s to now you know what i mean like and then for sure always cool having the stories that kind of go between so like i said again i could talk hip-hop all night is there anything though that we didn't uh touch on or any any uh like underappreciated hip-hop acts that you think people should listen to i just hear a lot of i think i think hardcore and rap is so attractive to people for a lot of the same reasons because you do so much with what you got kind of deal um Sometimes people who like grew up where the nineties or the eighties were their jam, they're like, Oh, I stopped listening after Biggie died or Wu Tang the 36 chambers. And that's fine. But there is so much shit that still comes out. That is a kindred spirit of that. Billy Woods is a current rapper. 
he's in a group called Arm and Hammer. I feel like that could speak to all 90s rap people. It's heady, it's sample heavy, the drums are cool and dusty. But Billy Woods is one I would say. 90s people, check him out. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Other than that, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, like I said, I could talk about it for hours. So, um, so another, another thing that's become a staple to this podcast, uh, thanks to Rob Antonucci, is like asking people whether they're from, like, be it Buffalo or Rochester, to make like a, and I guess, I, I put hardcore, but like having the discussion with you, it doesn't have to just be hardcore, but like a Rochester Mount Rushmore, like, like for people or places or things that are very important and influential to you. Can lodges be one thing? Yeah. Like for me, wow. for me, my initial thought was four people, but everybody else has done like, you know, I can do four people. Cause I've thought about it. Cause I, you prepared me a little bit. So I was like, who just thinking through yeah. Alex Douglas is up there for me. That man has made, He's such a a good person. He'd be a great person to talk to, too. I don't know how close you were ever with him, but all his bands sounded different. Those Skate Corpse records are so good. That is, like, some of my favorite skate rock. I loved seeing them. Um, and Duncan Piss was just such a good zine. It was so creative. It made you laugh. You could read it a bunch of times. That was such a, a, a good, yeah, great zine. I'd probably have to put Barb and Ryan on there. They just did so much. They did so much. And then our man, Roar Dog. Those are just my personal ones. Not, you know, I'd put Hassan as the, as the crazy horse, the bigger monument. It's like Hassan Mackey actually is the monument you want to go see though. Yeah, no, that's, that's right on. Uh, I agree about having Alex on here. Uh, I, 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 I booked 17th class back in the day. I know him a little bit, so it'd be cool to get him on here and talk to him. But actually another person that you've brought up a few times on here tonight that I think it'd be cool. I haven't talked to him in years too, would be Ryan Capaletti, you know? Dude, that episode might be like a day long. Cause he yeah. is, he is, a, he's just such a special man and he has given it to punk for so long. Yeah. And other things. His passions are all out there. And it's, yeah. Yes. His, dis his distro exposed me to so much music. Just being like, hey, that's four bucks. Check out the description on it. You'll like it. You should take it home with you. That was definitely a big part of hardcore back then that I feel like is definitely lost on, on current like Spotify generation. I mean, it's cool to be able to put out an album and listen to it like like quickly like that or whatever. But like there's something lost about like seeing like a huge, I mean, maybe there's still our distros at, like in certain like things that I'm, I'm sure sure someone does it. Yeah. Maybe not tabling as much, but if we see it, we got to both agree to buy a record from it, no matter what, just be like, I don't even know if I'll like this, but I'm buying it. Well, I don't know if this will air in time, but I don't know if you're planning on going to the punks picnic in a couple of weeks. I'm going to, we're going to try to go and make an early day stop the night time when the sun goes down. That's when I have to be at bed. See, I, I might be the opposite because uh, there's a benefit show that day at uh, yeah Photo City, so I'm, I'm gonna be at that too. And the bands that I actually want to see at Photo City are playing earlier. All due respect to the bands that are playing later, but <laughs> that's that's what scenes do, though. There's so many people supporting so many different things, which is cool in its own right. Yeah, 
yeah no it's definitely cool to see everybody come together like that and yep you know, that's 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 what this all means to me is community you know i know we haven't really touched on that a lot in our conversation tonight but i know it's it's definitely important to both of us you know oh definitely we wouldn't have done the stuff we did without a ton of other people so yeah we've mentioned the the kid thing a little bit how how has that been for you having uh having a child come into your life it's the best he's you know it's like you're like Oh, I'm just going to be exhausted for a really long time. So I'm going to enjoy it on that level and feel like I'm kind of high <laughs> in a way. Um, Silas is great. He loves music. He loves being active. He just celebrated his first birthday, I think, like I mentioned before. And, you know, I'm grateful that I have a job where I can come. I leave usually before he wakes up and I get home and get to spend the afternoon with him. So that's good. And he has a great mama. So. Yeah, that's uh, one thing I definitely learned in the last couple of months having our second child is that we're lucky to have uh, really strong women in our lives, you know? Absolutely, yep. Uh, and then I guess, if you don't mind, you're, you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, having to be up, be in, uh, up early. Uh, you, you started a new career recently, right? Yeah, I got into an electrician apprenticeship. It just seemed cool. And some people had told me about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to get in the union and take a class and that didn't work out. And I found a company that was looking for an entry level apprentice and it's been great ever since. It's, it's a really cool thing to have discovered. I think it's really smart. Um, my girlfriend does pro services at Lowe's and she tells me all the time that like all these trade jobs are, they're going to be a thing of the past and like knowing like an actual like skilled like that, you know what I mean? Like kids yep. aren't going to school for that now. So like, in like 20 years, a lot of these jobs, like, well, A, they're going to have to pay a lot because they're not going to have a lot of people knowing the jobs, you know. Definitely. But. I hope there's a push and people find so. I mean, I hope people just find what they like. I mean, who knows what this world's going to be like now after the, I mean, all big changes do this. It casts uncertainty on everything. But yeah, if you're kind of directionless and you're like, eh, I like being active and doing something, go to a trade, check it out. It's cool to build stuff. It, yeah, no, it definitely is. Uh, that's, that's kind of with the kid having, watching him with the blocks makes me think of that, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be a Mason. It's also, I feel like it's never too late. If that's like what people are like, I don't have anything. It's like, it's never too early. It's never too late. If you like it. Great. No, that's kind of where I'm at now. Cause you know, I'm 40 and I'm like, I kind of, you know, I still don't really have like something I want to do forever. So I kind of, I'm thinking, you know, my girlfriend tells me all the time about like what you're talking about, like, like trades and all these different things. And I'm like, got to figure something out, you know? <laughs> I, if you like doing stuff, you can check, at least check it out, take a class. That's with anything. I'm like, you can always check it out. That's what's great about punk. Check it out. Yeah. So I guess the only other thing I didn't really put on the news and notes that I don't, I don't know if we've already been kind of talking for like two hours. So I don't know if it's really worth diving into like current events and stuff like that. Or we could probably yeah, give me a few. Uh, I drank a Coca-Cola. Let's think here. I didn't put anything on the list, but like the stuff I usually talk about is like political, you know what I mean? Like thoughts on like current political climate. Uh, last year, obviously there was a lot of stuff with black lives matter going on locally too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's like such a, 
it's so polarizing and so many people miss the point about it. It's like a shame. It's like a shame. It's like terrible that, that, that a thing like that, that's supposed to be about making things better gets faced with such hatred, but that just proves some things about where we are as a society. And, you know, there's a lot, I mean, I'm not an activist by any means. Like, I mean, I think we all are in our day to day by trying to do stuff better, especially when you're, you, you sympathize and support and do stuff with, things like that like black lives matter um and yeah it's just hateful and angry and we all know why that is because this country still has a race problem and it has a divisional problem across the board but you know i work with a lot of people who are more conservative than i am and it's interesting to have conversations with people and hear what people have to say and then be like this is not like what you felt like was on the news it's like people are more willing to talk and stuff like that and just just add obsessed news networks just make things so chaotic and hateful sometimes it's just like you can realize there's other people to talk to and you're not going to probably agree but some of those people who don't agree with you also aren't hateful people on the other side of that you know what i mean so i don't know talk to people talk to people you don't normally talk to the other thing with like hateful and chaotic is interesting is like i i swore off social media forever like mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago and then when covid hit i was like kind of wanted to start posting old flyers and I, and I had the urge to do this podcast. So I was like, I knew I was going to have to get in to social media to promote it. You know what I mean? Otherwise just going to be, you know, hopefully people find it otherwise, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm active on there. I'm not on there every single day. Cause I have, you know, a kid at home. I mean, but I see stuff and it's just not just from like people that I work with or family, but like people like some from that I would think are from like hardcore and punk too. And it's just crazy to see like, like, just the things that you, you, you listen to this music, these people this whole time, you don't expect people to all have the same beliefs as us, but like, I wouldn't expect like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It just like, I do like, I, I wouldn't call it like, like alt light, but I almost would, you know what I mean? Like some of the shit that I see from people who like I once respected and thought were, you know, and, and I heard an interview where people were saying, I'm not going to paraphrase because I don't want people to know who I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, but they were like, you're supposed to look up to this person or that person. But my whole thing was like, hardcore has always taught me to question things. So even absolutely, even if the person that I like, like have respected and thought was like the person who like was the most influential person, if they say something, I think is outlandish then I'm not going to fucking agree with it. You know what I mean? Like if other people do that's that's great for them, you know, but I suppose at that point, the best we can do is like, if people aren't willing, if people are going to like maintain with that, I, cause I, I get, I get where you're going with this. I know, I know where we're hovering. I think in the world, you just can't let ways to have those people included anymore. It's like, I mean, I know we all live on the internet, so it's a little bit different, but I think that humans will probably, I think some people will get sick of just being on it all the time. It's like, we still have human interactions. I mean, there's kids who go to fucking like turnstiles gigantic. They're a hardcore band. There's kids going to their shows. They're probably playing on their phones and having fun and doing that. When people are out, let's try to keep these bad people away. Like you have to take care of your own. Like you can't just let sketchy behavior get by anymore. And we've all done it and yeah. felt bad about it. But it's like, 
what we can do is keep people away who are like that. I mean, you can be open-minded to shit, but there's just a fine line sometimes. Yeah. Like, fuck them. We should not let them come around if we have the power to do it. Yeah, it's just weird because, yeah, it's like, again, I'm not saying we should all be these, like, like peace punk, like, hippie kids. That no. Punk rock no. And it has to be this way, but we also are unaccepting of certain views. And I'm not trying to say certain things because I'm not trying to name names, but, like... For sure. There's certain things that I've noticed in the last year that I just, I'm like, man, I wish I would have stayed off social media and just like handed out flyers for this podcast, you know? I mean, if you're going to use it and it's for good, you just, I don't really have, I have a SoundCloud that I pop stuff up on. It's been a minute, but I just can't look at that stuff. It stresses me out. But dude, there's so many great things that happen because of it, because you get to share things like the flat, like. I look at the, your flyer posts on some other people's Instagrams. It's awesome. Like there's great yeah. stuff. There's, you just got to know when some stuff is like, that's, that doesn't seem right. That's mm-hmm. not the, I hope the world doesn't go that way. It's just crazy to see stuff like that infiltrate hardcore. Like I know that there has been like different kinds of views in and out of our scene, but. But like, that's okay. Yeah. It's when it becomes like this weird, like new kind of like new, new are you a new kind of Nazi thinking person? It's like, that's lame. We don't need that. That's not us. That's not someone being closed-minded. That's being like, you have to go deal with that somewhere else because like, I don't know if that's a good, like, I don't know if, or if that conversation is going to happen in public at will, but got to keep people like that away. And yeah. just be like, that's not what, what's it, it's about. Yeah. It's just crazy. Cause I think we all, like I initially thought it was all just like everybody's uncle, you know, I didn't realize that there was like people from our own community like that too. But mm-hmm. you know, like you said, just keep it away and try to try to stay, keep it positive, I guess. I mean, you want to be positive and say, welcome people in and try to like change their mind. But I think like some people's journey into that really hateful mindset is like, if they can come back and figure out like that, that's not the way. Great. If they keep doing that, I don't think I don't think we need to be around each other. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to keep you close or anything like that. No, I agree completely. Um, I guess the only other, well, I mean, obviously we live in New York. The the Cuomo thing happened too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we all know his response was absolutely absurd, and it's just you just want the man to stop talking and be like, I did very wrong things. Yeah. I don't know. My thing that I was confused by, and I even said it to my girlfriend like a, like a few days, if not a week before he resigned, was I was like, yo, how is he not resigned yet? Like, why? Because this was going on for a while. You know, it's almost it's, kind of like your mayor having a mayor whose husband uh, gets arrested for some sort of like uh, crack operation or whatever, and then you don't I, resign too. You know, it's life goes in all sorts <laughs> of strange directions. I'm not saying that Cuomo is just strange. I mean, it's yeah. terrible what he did and it yeah. sucks that people don't believe women up front. I think that's, yeah. and they, and you know, they do now, but people still protected him throughout the process. It's like, let's just hope politicians aren't complete, like utter wastes of time. And they're like hiding all these terrible things. Cause is it just human nature to do things that are like questionable, but it's like, we can't let people do that. It's just crazy that there gets to be such closed door things and intimidation and doing that stuff for power. It's just disgusting. We don't need them. 
it's crazy though that they think it's okay and one other thing that i would have never thought to mention in this interview but i live right over here and i was walking by kodak mm-hmm. and i saw it on the marquee that fucking louis ck is coming here next month i'm like yo how is it possible that that dude is able to tour play venues like there's so many questions i have there you know what i mean like that's like that's insane because i think I mean, we could go in so many directions with this, but my immediate thing is like, well, people are really interested in culture and how stories fold out. And this is like a long story. And like some people who go to it might not even ever, they'll be like, he's disgusting forever, but I got to see what he says. It's just like the way our brains are wired sometimes. And some people probably want to be like, I'd like to give him another chance. And if he can joke in an honest way about not being that way, that is really not an okay way to be to women or anyone like people are going to embrace it in all different ways. And I guess that's the blessing and the curse of it all. It's like, yeah. it's beautiful. And it's like, Oh my God. Yeah, I saw the thing though. I'm like, God damn. Like were the Karen's off from work. Glad like when this got booked, like what's going on? Right. How is this not like, how is this not canceled or whatever? Like, cause but, it probably sold tickets. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Like you said, there's that, there's that, that, uh, that shock culture that people that turn their head at the car accidents or whatever, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know if that's one I'd, I'd pony up for and keep watching the wreck, but yeah, no. I hope, I hope people who do that find ways to do what they can to heal people that they've done these things to and that they can, you know, not live that way anymore. It's the best you can hope because they're still going to be a human being on earth. So, right. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy. I mean, again, we could go in a lot of different directions, like you're saying, but the the culture we live in now, and I, I talked to my girlfriend about this a lot, like it sucks that it takes these women this long to have to, to come forward with a lot of these kinds of things, but then you realize why they take so long because nobody believes them. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, and if reports are right, it's like Cuomo was intimidating them with the help of people, men, like all kinds of people, men, women. It's like, yeah, that's the kind of weird shit that happens when all these political people hang out with each other and there's crazy money flowing around and there's just all of our egos are so out of control. It's like that does the worst for any sort of decision-making process for people. It's just like, yeah, you're not surprised. Also, people like that, just like family dynasties shouldn't stay in politics. It's just riddled with corruption. Yeah, well... The, the episode that's going to air right before this one is with Matt yeah. from New Ethic. Awesome. He basically, and I, especially after everything that happened with Cuomo, kind of tend to agree with him, says, you know, we just need to abolish this whole system and start from scratch. Like, it's, it's not, like, we're, we're not moving, nothing's, we're not, we're not moving forward with any of this two-party bullshit and all, and, and the, the capitalist, like, all this shit, you know? I mean, obviously, capitalism is not going to be destroyed, you know what I mean? But, like, like something needs to change, you know. Definitely, it'll it'll destroy itself. Yeah. When humanity's facing the final uh, the final tunnel, it'll be like, all right, capitalism finally collapsed. There's nothing. There's nothing left. No, I know. I mean, it's hard. It's just I think we all feel it's hard to have faith in people who you vote for. Money, money, and power and clout just do so many things to warp people's brains. I I don't think it's natural for someone to. There's very few instances where people have ascended to power like that. And it's like, oh, cool. They tried to be like a pretty cool person. They had some flubs there, but they were cool for the most part. 
yeah we've got an, our neighborhood i forget what her position is but like i don't really know her and and like whenever she comes by to like ask her stuff i'm always just like you're a politician like i know you live in our neighborhood but like you're a politician you know would you give her would you give her a cup of sugar maybe okay (laughs) nice lady i did go to her garage sale a couple years ago so awesome um i'll say her name shout out to her versa roman she seems nice hey um i hope she's well that's pretty much I feel like for current events, unless we want to talk about how much this whole COVID thing has sucked for the last year, you know. Yeah, we're out here enjoying hot summer, though. It's not 100% safe, but we're all trying to enjoy it for what we can. Go to the beach, go on walks, get takeout if you can. Um, It's tough, man. So much stuff. It's like with that for people and then other extra life stuff happening at the same time. It's It's tough on people. I hope everybody's doing good for themselves and checking out music and hanging out with the few people they can, that they love if they can't really be around a lot of people. Cause I think we're getting to that point where it's gonna be like, Hey, you might have to chill out just a little bit again, because this is going to get overwhelming. The COVID thing without diving too deep into personal things though, makes mm-hmm. me think of us both having had children recently. Yeah. Like my girlfriend and I had talked about having another child and then COVID hit. So we were like, you know, kind of not really sure, but yeah. like you guys obviously had a child on the way during COVID. Like, was yeah. that, was that freaking you out at all? Like, cause I like, mean, it's sorry, hard. When was he born then? He was born in August of last year. No, yep. obviously. So, you know, February rolls around and she's like three months pregnant. And then, yeah, it's like, we, we went to a doctor's appointment and they were like, at first, like, I mean, there's so much information people were trying to soothe people with and just kind of tell like little white lies. They were like, Oh, it's not that big a deal. And the baby probably can't catch it to being like where we are today. They weren't trying to be mean. They were probably trying to calm us down, but it's still like, don't you wish people could just be like, it might be, you might want to be careful. Don't lie. Cause you can't take that back. So I think that has been a struggle because people gave us different answers all the time. And there was a point where they're like, it's up in the air, whether the, the husband or the partner can be in the hospital, but that ended up working out. So that was great. And then, you know, you know, you have a baby. There's nothing better than being like, I have to be with my tight circle anyways, to kind of get everyone acquainted with each other. So in a way that was like a gift, like to be like, cool. Like we have to kind of nest and do our thing. We don't have to, we want to, and we have the ability to. So try to find a little bright spot. I think everybody tries to find their bright spot in this time. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's, that's been the the bright spot for us is having our second child. And yeah, amazing. Congrats again. Thanks. One thing I haven't really shared on here is that I actually wasn't able, and I'm not going to tell the whole gory story, but I wasn't able to be there for the childbirth because everything happened Mm. so fast. Like my girl woke me up at like midnight and, like she basically had to drive herself there. Like crazy. The whole story is really crazy. I'm not going to tell it all on air because it's yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, even the nurses said though, like if she wouldn't have done that, like it, it might not have worked out. The you know so <sighs> that's it's, it's a lucky thing she did. Yeah, definitely. But um, it was just crazy for me though because it's like it's midnight. She wakes me up and tells me everything that's going on, and then she's like, I basically have to leave, and I'm like, you know, freaking out myself. Obviously, like what, like how is this all going to work out or whatever, you know? And then like three o'clock in the morning, I get like a text message, like a picture of our, of our daughter, you know? And she, she's like, she's like, everything's fine, you know? And it's, and, I, and, oh. then, you know, and everything's perfect now, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, 
you know, go there the next morning. And, and these couple months have been chaotic, obviously, but, you know, seeing her smile now and all that stuff, it's, it's the best love baby smile. Yeah. It's like you said, you know, you know what I mean? You know, just, yeah. just, we're going to cherish, you know, so yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish I would have started the parenting thing a little earlier though, you know? Yeah. Um, Getting I mean, what you want and then, then we can say our goodbyes and talk about it next time we see each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just having to be like 60 when they're getting out of <laughs> high school or college or whatever is going to be rough, you know, but yeah, that's okay though. They'll love you all the same. You'll probably be wearing like a, I don't know, what shirt would you wear to graduation? A button down or a hardcore shirt? I was going to say bad brains probably. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say that. I was going to be like, I bet you'll pick a bad brain shirt. Yeah. Um, so that pretty much wraps up all the stuff that I had for like, uh, topics and questions and stuff. Is there anything you could think of that we didn't uh, discuss or anything else you want to uh, plug aside from the, the record you're working on with Chris? That'll be, yep. That's coming up. I already said we're going to have something for people to check out Halloween time. We're playing the show at Lux. That's pretty much it. I mean, that's all I've been doing, writing, making little beats when I can. That's what I like to do. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, man, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. You know, it was a Dude, long time coming. So. so good. There's one more thing. I made a lot of records with my friend, archaeologist, for a long time. He had a little tape label, Dig Dug DIY. He does so much and put out so many tapes, and now his game is he, he builds little beat machines and pedals and stuff. So if you're ever into, like, glitchy things, anyone who listens to this, like, glitchy synth stuff, cool fuzz pedals – he hand makes them. It's Dig Dug DIY. He's like the coolest and he does it all with love and by his own hands. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up episode 36. Uh, shout out to Benny for doing the interview. As always, thanks to Rob Antonucci and Greg Benoit for all the help with the podcast. Thanks to my family for all the support. Uh, future episodes will include uh, Building on Fire tour retrospective, uh, interview with Aiden and Jim from Borrowed Time, uh, Jimmy Stat from the Polar Bear Club, Chris from Borrowed Time, and plenty more. Uh, just check us out on Instagram, Enterprise Hardcore Podcast, and as always, stay safe.